Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. Well, good morning, New Vision. Like Nick said, my name is Todd Briner. I'm one of the student ministry staff here. And I'm excited to dig into Revelation chapter 3. We're going to be looking at a church in a city called Philadelphia. But before we jump into there, I want to kind of give a, something that God kind of really struck me with this week as I studied this text, this part of the Bible. I don't, I don't know if you've ever had one of those Bibles that was what they call a red letter edition. And a red letter edition Bible basically takes the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and when Jesus is speaking, they'll write the text in red, so it kind of gives it some emphasis And I had never really put this together or never really dawned on me or really hit my heart. But as I was reading Revelation chapter 3, I noticed something. The words are also in red. And yeah, I knew that these were letters that Jesus wrote to seven real-life churches in modern-day Turkey. I knew that. But it just jumped out that Jesus himself is giving a report, is kind of letting these churches know how they're doing. These are Jesus's words. It's like Jesus delivering that report card at the end of the semester to these churches so they know where they can improve and know where they can do better and know where they can be more faithful. But today we're looking at a church that is faithful. The church at Philadelphia, like the church at Smyrna we looked at a few weeks ago, has nothing negative said about them. They're not a perfect church by any means. No church is, but they're what we would call a faithful church. If you remember a A few weeks ago, Pastor Brady, when he talked about the church at Smyrna, he said it was the first 4.0 church. It got that 4.0 perfect standard. And I want to tell you today that Philadelphia is also a 4.0 church. And now when Pastor got this out, when he brought that up, it kind of was really timely for us in student ministry because we were in the month of May. And if you know anything about the month of May as a student pastor or as a high school student, it is like graduation time. And you've probably noticed we have a lot of high schools and a lot of students around here. And so student ministry staff is like in graduation mode. We do a graduation thing here. We do graduations at MTSU and we're hanging out. And one of the things you may remember about your graduation was there was always that person that got to speak that got the highest GPA in the school, in the graduating class. It was called, and, and I'm, trust me, I'm pronouncing this wrong. I got a bunch of texts that I pronounced it wrong, and in second service, I tried to do it right. I still messed up. Um, valid Victorian, valid Victorian. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? The highest GPA, shake your head if you know what I'm talking about. You guys know what I'm talking about? And I didn't realize how big a deal that was until I taught. I lived in Miami, Florida for 10 years before I came here, nine and a half years as a youth pastor, six months as a high school junior Bible teacher. It took me six months to realize I was not called to be a teacher, but called to be in student ministry. But we're teaching them, and I never realized how competitive and how important that GPA was. Because when I was in high school, I was nowhere near the top. I was nowhere near the middle. It's a little bit more towards the, we won't mention, you know, lower. And here's what was crazy for me. I was like, what's your GPA? And they're like, man, my GPA is a 4.38675. And I'm thinking, if 4.0 is perfect, 
going on here? And see, at that school, it was very interesting. If you took an AP class and you got an A in an AP class, they didn't give you a 4.0 for that class. You got a 5. Kind of saying you took a harder class. If you got an honors class, you, t- you got a 4.5 if you got an A. And so when they would factor these GPAs, it was so competitive in each semester, it was crazy. We had an old school principal, and he would get out his metal mechanical pencil, and he would find out like 150 kids in one class. We had like 400 kids every semester. He would by hand figure out their GPA. It would be like one kid would get a 4.3785, and another kid would be mad because he got a 4.3784. And it was so competitive, and kids were so just at each other, and they would see what class is he taking, because if he's taking that class, I better take that class, because I want a chance to be top in our class, and I want to be a chance to speak at graduation and get that special medal and be in the top 10% of my class when I send my stuff to college. And it was just crazy. It was intense. It was fighting. And then I come here to Rutherford County. And in Rutherford County, if you get an A... No matter what class it is, it's a four. And so if you get all A's throughout your high school career, pretty much no matter what class you take, you can get a 4.0. And if you're 4.0, you're topping your class, and I'm saying it wrong, but you're the valid Victorian, valid Victorian, and there can be multiple. At every school, there's multiple. 10, 20, 30, 40. I think this year one school had about 50 valid Victorians. And so here's what I noticed. Because 4.0 is the highest and there's not fives and 4.5s and all this different mathematical equations, the competition is not the same as it is. Because they know we can all be there. We can all be there. In fact, at most high schools, they don't even have them speak. Can you imagine having 50 speeches? We'd still be sitting at MTSU right now. (laughs) 50. But here's what they do. It's great. They do videos. And Blackman High School always does something fun with theirs. And you can see how the valedictorians respond. I want you to check this out. Class of 2019, Val's on the track. With our 4.0s and our woes. Backpacks and laptops and overstuffed binders. Turned in our homework, didn't need no reminders. Friendships and teachers, thorough studying. These are the best years that we've ever seen. Been through tough classes, we got no hard passes. Who would have thought it would give us this status? Rather be sleeping at home in our beds. Went to school daily, now let's get this bread. Our tests, stop watching. All A's, now stop it. These last four years were really no problem. You like our grades? Gee, thanks. Just got them. We learn it, we like it, we want it, we got it. And so that's the video or portion of it. Search Blackman High School graduation. You can find the whole thing on YouTube. But it's not as competitive. It's saying, you know what, you got a 4.0, I got a 4.0, we can all get 4.0s. Still get the medal, still get the sash, get all the same things. Still get to put that on your college applications. It's fantastic. And it's something jumped out at me. As I saw Smyrna was a 4.0 church, Philadelphia was a 4.0 church, I thought, man, don't we need 
more 4.0 churches? Isn't it okay that churches can be good, faithful churches? Isn't it sad sometimes that there's kind of, sometimes churches get in a little bit of competition? I see this all the time. I remember it dawned on me, I'm sitting in Miami and I'm hearing somebody say, you know what, I used to go to church over here. And man, their church was, and I'm thinking, what? And I said, you know what? There's probably somebody at that other church you used to go to that's saying, I used to go to New Vision. But here's what the fact is. We just need more 4.0 churches. We need more faithful churches that are going to be willing to preach the Bible, share the gospel, and love the community. It's crazy. Me and some of the staff here, we were at a uh, youth pastor gathering at one of the schools. And we kind of walked in, and they knew we were from New Vision. It was said it on our name tags that they gave us. And they said, hey, there's this guy from the other church. He's the youth pastor. He said, you know what? We should have like a, a basketball game to see who the ultimate youth ministry is. And I'm like, that's weird. And I don't have my sneakers, you know. Why would we want to do that? Here's the fact, guys. We need more 4.0 churches. We need more churches that are going to be faithful to the Bible. We need more churches that are going to be faithful to spread the gospel, that are going to love the community. We need more 4.0 churches here, and we need more 4.0 churches in our state, in our country, in our world. We could be completely fooled today, and there'd still be tons more people that need to be reached. And here's what I think you need to understand this morning. It's something that I think can easily be missed when we think about churches in our modern day context. And it's this, and this is our big idea today. I'm going to say it probably at least 10 times, but it's this. A faithful church is made up of faithful individuals. A faithful church is made up of faithful individuals. When we read this kind of in our modern day context, when we read these letters to the churches, I know for me, I can't help but thinking of like the church, like a local church, a building, and Jesus is talking about like new vision church and kind of how we're doing. But see, the church is not a building. This does not become a church because there's a building built at 1750 North Thompson Lane. It doesn't become that. That's not why it's a church. Today, we are at church because we are all here together, gathered to worship Jesus, to make his name known, and to encourage one another. That's what makes this place a church. We had a firefighter's graduation here. That was not church. That was a graduation ceremony that occurred here. This becomes church when we, as followers of Jesus, come together and worship. In fact, this is how the church is defined. The word church in the Bible comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which means a called out company or assembly. Wherever it is used in the Bible, it refers to people. So a church is anywhere where people who are followers of Jesus come together to meet and worship and proclaim his name. If we decide to do one big church service at MTSU, the Murphy Center will become the church that day. There's churches that are meeting at high schools and elementary schools and movie theaters and restaurants and homes all throughout the world, all throughout the city. It's the church because the followers of Jesus come together and worship. And a faithful church is made up of faithful individuals. It's not just a faithful pastor. That's part of it. It's not just a faithful staff. That's part of it. But it's faithful individuals. Faithful individuals. 
And today, I want us to look at ourselves and see if we are that faithful individual. I know a lot of you here are like me. We grew up and we lived part of our life in the 1980s. And in the 1980s, there was a musical performer that was pretty popular. And my mom was, he was really popular to my mom. His name was Michael Jackson. Hey, yes, Michael Jackson. I remember seeing Thriller when I was like five years old. And man, I was having nightmares for weeks. Some of y'all were living that, you know. My little son was like, who's Michael Jackson? And we saw Thriller. And my, mom, my wife's like, no, you know. But there was a song he came out with. I mean, my mom had his albums, you know, the cassette tapes, little plastic things with like little stuff. You stuck them in a little cassette player. Y'all, some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. And we would listen to this song. And one of the most powerful songs I think he's ever had was a song called Man in the Mirror. And here's kind of how it goes. And if it was in students, I would sing it. But we don't know each other like that yet. So it goes something like this. I'm starting. Actually, I'm going to let you hear it from the man right here. Man, it's a real powerful song. Because here's what it's saying. Here's what he's saying. And he's talking about things going on in the world. He's saying, if you want to make this world a better place, don't just talk about it. But look at yourself and see what you need to change. And he's really saying, like, if we all just looked at ourselves and see what needed to change, looked at ourselves in the mirror, the changes in this world would happen. But I want to do something different. I want to kind of apply this to ourselves here at church. I want to kind of look at ourselves in this way, and I want to kind of change the words today. And I want to kind of think of it like this. If you want to make this church a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. Or maybe even more accurate, take a look at yourself and allow God to change you. And so today, we're saying a faithful church is made up of faithful individuals. And so I want us to take that look in the mirror, a true look at what we really see and how we can see, are we faithful? And so we're going to look at Revelation 3, 7 through 13. I'm going to stop and make a few comments, but then we're going to look at four things I think that this passage will tell us that we can be faithful, so we can see if we're that faithful individual. Four things that should be true of our lives. So verse 7 goes like this. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these are the words of him who is holy and true. Who holds the key of David? What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, meaning they were a small church, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And I want to stop right there because I want to talk about that key of David that Jesus says he has, and, and that open door, because as we're talking about being a faithful individual, we have to know that being a faithful individual starts with faith. You cannot be a faithful individual if you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus. And he's saying, I got the key of David, and I'm opening the door. It's that door to eternal life. That door to heaven, John in his gospel says that Jesus is the door. He says, I am the door. He is the key. He's opened that door through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And right now that door is open and no one can shut it because 
His love and His forgiveness is available. And so as we talk about being a faithful individual and being end up being a faithful church, you have to understand that it starts with faith. Verse 9. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is coming, to the whole, coming on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, so far we've said a faithful church is made up of faithful individuals. And I want to give you four things right now that I see in these verses. We're just going to go through them quickly, but you can write them down. Four things that I think make up a faithful individual. Here's number one. Faithful individuals have evidence of their faith. Faithful individuals have evidence of their faith, meaning that you can see someone's faith. You can see that they've been transformed by Jesus, that they've walked through that door and have that relationship. You can see it by the way they look, by the way they talk, by the way they act, by the things they do that they don't do. The Bible calls it letting our light shine. You can see that in their lives. One of the best ways to do that is through baptism. Baptism is showing people what God has done in your life. It symbolizes that your old life is gone and you have that new life with Jesus, that your old life died with Jesus on the cross and your new life has risen from the tomb with him. It's a public way to show what God's done inside your life. But here's something I love to do every time I baptize someone. I did it last week when I baptized a couple. I get everybody up there, their parents, their friends, whoever's in there, other staff members, And here's my prayer. I always pray for them. And here's what I pray. I say, God, may this not be the only time that this individual shows the world that they have a relationship with you. May this not be the only time that they show people that they've been changed by you. But may their life show it. May their life show people that they have that relationship. That's my prayer. Because we should be able to see the difference in our lives. I want to just bring out a tool that I always use with my students to kind of help them evaluate this themselves. So I wanted to share it with you guys today. So I brought out my Christian detector. Every time there's somebody laughing, but I don't know why. If you look right there, it says CD. If you know what CD stands for, Christian detector. I did not put that sticker there. It's old, Christian detector. And here's my question that I ask these students, and I'm asking you today. It might be silly, you're like, oh, I'm an adult, but listen. I say, if this Christian detector was real, and if you're in middle school, they usually believe it is real. If this Christian detector was real, would it detect you? And then I always give a couple different disclaimers. I said, the Christian detector doesn't detect you By, if you say, oh, I go to church on Sundays. Oh, I got a Bible. I got a New Vision t-shirt. It doesn't detect you even if you say, I've been baptized, I walked an aisle, I prayed a prayer. 
It doesn't detect you if you say, man, my uncle's brother's sister's cousin's aunt's grandpappy's dog was a pastor. Here's the only way the Christian detector detects you. By how you live your life. By simple, by how you live your life. It doesn't detect by what you do on Sundays. It detects by what you do on Mondays. And here's the question. Remember, we're looking in the mirror. I'm not making any judgment. Would it detect you? Would it detect you? A lot of times I love to then take it around and go up to some people. And I usually always go up to like a staff member, one of our other pastors, and, you know, try and see if it's working. And then I'll go up and I'll be kind of like this. And I, I won't, it won't make any noise. Then I'll go to somebody else and make a beep, you know, or different. But here's the idea. What it detects you, not by what you say, not by a church membership. Pastor Brady said last week, professors or possessors. Not somebody who just says they know the right things. Not somebody who knows about Jesus. But would it really detect you based on how you live your life? Number one, a faithful individuals have evidence of their faith. Here's number two. Faithful individuals keep God's word. Faithful individuals keep God's word. Revelation 3.8 says, you have kept my word. But here's something that jumped out at me. If a faithful individual keeps God's word, to know if you keep God's word, you have to know God's word. To keep God's word, you have to know God's word. I wonder how many of us you know, for many years, I would have claimed to be a Christian, and I would have said, you know what, I don't know if I'm keeping God's word because I don't know God's word. You can't know if you're faithful at keeping God's word because you don't really know it. Do you know God's word? To be a faithful follower, you have to know God's word. It was funny, on Wednesday, we got a leader, his name's Chris, and he's like, Todd, man, what are you going to talk about this, this Sunday? He's about my age, and I said, man, I'm, I'm going to drop something on them that no pastor ever tells anybody, ever. Like, you ain't never heard a pastor say this, ever, and I'm going to say it to you guys, but here's what I need. I need you all to listen up, because somebody will take it out of context, or they won't hear it right, and they'll text Pastor Brady or email him, and I will not have a job anymore. I got three children. I need this job. Whew. So here's what I said, man. I'm going to tell them. You know, as we just looked at it, it said, to keep God's word, you got to know God's word. And I said, here's what I'm going to tell them. You guys listen? You ready? We good? Nobody's good. Okay. Can't tell y'all. We good? Okay, we're good. Here's what I told them. I said, I'm going to tell them that you don't have to read the Bible. He's like, what? You can't say that. I said, I'm going to. I'm going to say it. You don't have to read the Bible. Now, stay with me. Stay with me. I remember I shared that with a thing I was, right before I moved here. I shared that with a group of people, and it was crazy. I was at this thing called the Urban Life Camp. It was a bunch of urban churches. And if you know urban churches, they, if I said, we good, they would be like, yeah. You know, they get down. They let you know how you're doing. And here's what's crazy. It was a bunch of students and their leaders. And some of those leaders were what they would call, like, the senior saints. So they were, like, older people. And they absolutely loved it when, like, the pastor would tell, like, the kids what they need to be doing, right? Like, they'd be like, preach it, brother. He's like, he's right. Listen, youngins, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm getting excited, and people are like, amen in it. And it makes you feel good when they're doing that. You're, like, excited. And, and, and you can tell I get a little bit excited, so I get, like, extra excited over there. And so they're like, preach it, preach it. And I'm like this, and they're all excited, and it's, like, the last day. And I'm telling them, like, go home, and it's going to be awesome. And I say, you know what? You got to go home, and I want to tell you something. I want to say, you don't need to read your Bible, 
And one guy said, that ain't right. <laughs> and, and, and I want to throw this out there to you guys. Trust me now, here's, here's what I'm saying. Reading your Bible is awesome, if that's how you like to get into God's word. But I tell people this. You need to consume God's word. For some of you, that may mean reading it, and you may get down like that, and you may love it. For some of you, when I say read, you're like, nope. Can you imagine saying that to a bunch of 12, 13, 14 years old? We all know the statistics about how much we don't read after college. Like the last book some people read is high school or college. And so I told them, you got to consume God's word. There are so many ways to put God's word into your life. One of the best ways I know is audio. A lot of you have the Bible app. It's got audio Bibles. You can listen to it. You can watch the Bible word for word. You can follow Bible stuff on your Instagram. You can get God's word into your life a lot of ways. And that's the most important thing is to get God's word in your life. Because when you get God's word in your life and when you put it into your life and you're consuming it, you can't help but live it out. It's just how it works. When you put that into your heart, it just comes out in how you live. So true. And so oftentimes I would challenge students to maybe do this. I said, you know, you got your earbuds, you drive to work. Some of you guys work in Nashville, so you drive, drive, drive to work. Spend some of that time and listen to God's word. I usually challenge students, like, what if you just started by giving God a song? You know, three, four, five minutes, however long your song is, and say, you know what, I'm going to listen to God's word for that amount of time. Put it into your life. In fact, do you know this? In the Bible, people didn't read the Bible. They didn't have Bibles in every phone, in every pocket, in every bookshelf. This letter would have been written to the church. Someone in the church would have gathered the people together and read it to them, and they would have heard it audibly. I don't care how you do it. For me, I love to read it. I know people who love to listen to it. I know people who love to watch it visually. I love people who love to memorize it and just think about one verse. I don't know. But faithful individuals... Keep God's word. And to keep God's word, you've got to know God's word. Here's number three, really quickly. Faithful individuals do not deny God's name. They say they have not denied his name in verse eight. And here's what you have to know. They're in a culture that's probably more non-Christian, non-godly than ours. It would have been diverse religions all over the place. They were already known as a small church, a strong church, but a small church. And so they would have been easy for them to have denied God, to kind of gone the other way, but they stayed strong. And here's number four. Faithful individuals endure suffering and opposition. I want to stop here for a second. I want you guys to look at that for a second. Faithful individuals endure suffering and opposition. You know what's sad? that there are, are a lot of people that would stand up in front of churches, and I don't know where their hearts are, but they will tell you that if you're a follower of Jesus, everything's supposed to be great, and you know that you're doing better at following Jesus when you're being blessed, like materially, financially, and everything's always supposed to be happy. That's not what Jesus is saying about this church. He's given them props for enduring suffering, I remember when I first moved to Miami, I was so poor. I didn't have any cable. You can imagine. I'm like 24 years old. I got no television. I had no cable, no satellite dish. This was before streaming. I had what we call an antenna. Some of y'all remember antennas. 
you know, you kind of put the coat hanger on it, you get a couple extra channels. And I remember one of the only channels I got was the religious channel, the Christian channel. Being a Christian, I watched the Christian channel. And I remember one day it really caught my attention because there was this guy speaking, and he was at a massive church, massive, massive. And it was really cool because it was like a circle, a circle stage. It would be like, y'all here, and then another one in the back. And he's preaching. And if you, have, you know when some people like are speaking or preaching? I mean, this guy was preaching. You, you guys know what I'm talking about? You, you've seen that. You're preaching. And he's getting all excited. And here's what he's getting excited about. He's sweating. And I never understood this. You've seen those guys sweating. They get the little, I'm thinking, why don't the pastors, we just like make some pastor headbands like they have in the NBA, you know? We can get a little cross right on the front. I'm going to try to get Nick to wear one next week. He's speaking. And he's preaching, and he's like, I know how God loves me. You know how God loves me. I know that God loves me. And I'm thinking, God loves everyone, right? John 3, 16. But he's like, I know God loves me, and he's blessing me. And if I'm telling you, if I'm lying, I'm dying. This is how he's talking. This is what he said. Because when I go out to my garage, and if you don't know what I said, I said garage. He says, when I go out to my garage, and I look out there, I see my two Bentleys. That's how I know God's blessing me. And I'm thinking, wow, what does that mean for me? <laughs> when you go out to my garage, you see a lot of little kids' bicycles, a lot of stuff that my kids had to have that they never use. You see those two snow sleds that I went all over town this winter to get it for that one time it was supposed to snow. And oh, Here's where it gets good. You see my car. 2012 Toyota Corolla. <laughs> it gets better with three hubcaps. <laughs> and I'm telling you, my eight-year-old could sit in the backseat of my car and he would not starve for a week with how much food he's got back there. It's crazy. <laughs> some of y'all know. And some think, what does God mean for me? And I'm like, that's not what God says. God doesn't say, man, you guys are great, and I give you everything. He says, no, 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 you're faithfully enduring. You remember the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus ends it, and he ends it with like that little song we've made, right? He says, you know, the wise man builds his house on the rock, and the foolish man builds his house upon the sand. That the people who put his word into practice build their house on the rock, which is Jesus, and the foolish people put it on the sand. And then what he says is, when the storm comes, when the storm comes, the people on the rock will be strong and be able to stand, but the foolish man on the sand will. But do you notice what he says? He doesn't say if the storm comes. He doesn't say maybe, sort of, kind of, sort of, maybe the storm's coming. He says when. Trust me. It's coming. It's coming. And the commendation is for standing strong. Since, verse 10, you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Four things I encourage you to examine yourself because a faithful church is made up of faithful individuals. A faithful church is made up of faithful individuals. Today, as you came in, I hope you picked up a Lego brick. And here's what I wanted everybody to, to get one of these Lego bricks. 
If you didn't get one, you can get one on your way out. But each Lego brick is kind of small. They're all different. They're all diverse shapes, sizes, skills, abilities, talents. But as they start to come together, as they start to be placed together, they can build something amazing. I want you to see what's possible right here. starts with one brick upon one brick upon one brick upon one brick and you get this amazing Statue of Liberty shining her light bright. And isn't that the same for the church? As people come together, as people unite together under the name of Jesus, as faithful individuals come together to build a faithful church, that's when we see change. That's when we see a powerful 4.0 faithful church. But it all starts when individuals have connected to Jesus. It starts with faith. A faithful individual starts with faith in Jesus Christ. And so as we get ready to close today, and I know how it is when we're getting ready to finish. Some people wrap up and put their stuff away. I don't want you to do that today. Because I think in a room this large, there's probably some of us that we can't connect with other Christians yet we haven't connected to the foundation. We haven't put our faith in Jesus. We've yet to come through that door. We've yet to walk through that, through a relationship with him to forgiveness. I remember when I first started out as a youth pastor, I'd been a youth intern and I, I get my first like real youth pastor job. I'm 22 or 21 years old. I just moved to Kentucky. I left kind of my hometown and my home church and I'm there, and I have no idea what I'm doing. Literally, I spoke the two messages I had ever spoken, and after two weeks, I was like, what do I do now? It was my Bible, my computer screen, and I was stuck. And I remember the pastor there, he told me, Todd, a lot of people will miss heaven by 18 inches. And I was like, what? Miss heaven by 18 inches? And I got this picture, kind of like somebody's running to the end zone, Right? And right at the one-yard line, they miss it. Or I got this picture of them like kind of in, in the clouds, and they're running to the pearly gates of heaven, and right as they're about to go in, but he said, Todd, that's not what I'm talking about. He said, a lot of people will miss heaven by 18 inches, and he said this, the distance from your head to your heart. The distance from here to here, 18 inches. The difference from knowing about Jesus Knowing that he died on the cross, knowing that he rose from the dead, and really accepting that and putting him into your life. And that's stuck with me ever since. Because I think for a lot of my life, I was the guy who knew Jesus up here, but didn't really know him here. Grew up in church, heard about him, 
knew the facts, knew the figures, knew the stories, but didn't know them here. And I want to just, before we leave tonight, before we leave and go on with our Father's Day activities, I just want to give you an opportunity maybe to kind of know what Jesus did and have a chance to give him your life, have a chance to walk through that door. See, I brought this little container of water kind of to represent how God created human beings. When God created us, he created humans Adam and Eve, two of them, placed them in a garden. They were perfect. They were cleansed. They were without sin. But then sin entered this world. They looked at the tree that God told them not to eat from. And as they ate from that tree, sin entered into our world. And that perfect perfection that God had created was no longer perfect. Something that maybe you've missed, but I think is important to understand is if you remember the story, if you don't, you can read it in the first few chapters of Genesis, first book of the Bible. But Adam and Eve sinned, and they knew they sinned, and they were afraid of God. But God still came. God didn't leave them. They left him. They ran away. God was back ready for them. But they went their own way. And we continue as human beings to go our own way. And we continue to sin. We continue to make mistakes. We continue to fall short. And just like they did back in the garden, oftentimes we'll try to do things that we think are good to kind of cover up our sin. We'll try to work it out and and do what we can to, to cleanse ourselves. And nothing we do, no matter how much we add in, can cleanse us, can make us pure. But you know what? God has a deep love for us. And he sent his son, Jesus, to come to this earth, to die on the cross, to take our sins upon himself, and to cleanse us, and to make us pure. So that those of us who've asked Jesus into our life, turned it over to him, built our life on Faith in Jesus can be forgiven. Today, we're going to close with a song. And as we close with this song, maybe you're here and you've yet to put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've known all about Jesus up here. You've known the facts, the figures, the ideas, the stories. But you haven't known Jesus here. He's yet to come into your life. And here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. As we sing this final song, there's going to be some of my friends and staff up here that will be right at the front. I encourage you to come up front, and they'll just walk you through. They'll help you know how to know Jesus is in your life and how to walk through that door. But for those of you who know you have faith in Jesus, I just want you to start examining yourself. Take this song. Maybe hold that Lego in your hand. And ask yourself, am I a faithful individual? Have I been faithful? Let me pray for us. And when I say amen, we're going to allow God to work. If you need to come up front, please do. Maybe you need to come up front and just pray and leave something that God showed you to. Leave it at the altar. Leave it at the front. Go home and be a different man in the mirror. I mean, let's start with the man in the mirror. Let's start with ourselves. Because faithful individuals make up a faithful church. And it starts with having faith. 
in Jesus. When I say amen, you let God work and you come if you need to. God, I thank you for every person here. I thank you for how you worked this weekend. I thank you today, Lord Jesus, for your son and that that door is open. And I pray that today, if somebody's not walked through that door yet, that today would be that day and that you will work in their lives, God. God, you just move and do what you do. In your son's name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.